the work, everyone. And what's the next part? Wants someone else to do. So it's not the kind of work that everyone wants to get involved in. Now, would you have any idea what kind of work this might be? What? Uh, well, I suppose uh, there's a problem with that, too. Not enough people interested in medical missionary work. Any other answers? Well, you'll see in a moment. Let's see. Where's the clicker? <laughs> I forgot about getting the clicker. Maybe you can uh, change the first slide. You'll know immediately. In Genesis 2, verse 8 and verse 15, it introduces us to the subject. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. So the very first occupation that was given to Adam and Eve was to take care of a garden. Now you can see why I said what I did. I won't ask how many like to eat because I'm sure everybody does. But some of you are hoping that somebody else will grow that food because you're not growing it. And maybe you even have a struggle with the idea of having to grow it. So you're hoping that somebody else will raise that food for you. But, you know, the day is coming when the price of food is going to be such that you might not be able to buy it. And unfortunately, as Seventh-day Adventists, we're not preparing for that day. In fact, there's some other people that are preparing better than what we are for that day. And whether they know what's coming or not, I'm not sure, but they are preparing for that day and getting involved in the raising of food. In uh, Genesis 3, verse 17 to 19, and then verse 23, we see maybe part of the reason why not so many people want to get involved. Now this is after the fall, and God said to them, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. Now we do want to pause on for thy sake. There's a reason why sinners need to work harder to get food. And it was for our sake that that was given, that curse was given. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. 
thorns also, and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. And ever since man has been trying to prove, I can eat without sweating a bit. But God says, you need to get the food by the sweat of your brow. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Therefore, the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. So before sin, after sin, the occupation is the same. <coughs> Adam would have many more difficulties now raising food. It slowly came. I, I'm sure it didn't just, you know, happen overnight. But slowly these things came and the flood came and increased the problems. And ever since, the way man has treated the soil has made it harder. And so today, it is so difficult that most people aren't interested in getting involved in it. But they're hoping that somebody will raise their food. Now let's look at some of the reasons why people don't get involved. Number one, and these are not in any specific order, but uh, some people don't like to get involved because there are too many bugs. But you know what? Of all the places I've lived, Wildwood is the best place to garden. Up north, we had lots of mosquitoes. And you couldn't work in the garden without really getting attacked by the mosquitoes. And it was the same season where you had the garden when all these mosquitoes were out. And then they had another plague called black flies. In fact, those black flies were so bad that they would draw blood. And so they came up with this special cap that you could wear with, a, with a, a mesh around it and you could cover your whole head. It still would bite your hands and arms if they were exposed. But fortunately, it only lasted two weeks. But it was right when you needed to be planting your garden. Well, I haven't lived everywhere in the world, but I know there's a lot of bugs and it keeps a lot of people from being interested. Probably uh, another really big one is too many weeds. You know, if the plants would grow better than the weeds, more people would garden. But they don't like having to deal with all those weeds. So keeps them from growing a garden. And number three, especially when you're getting started, you have a poor yield. You do all this work and you don't get much back. And it's very discouraging. Well, when I started gardening, I had the same problem. But uh, you have to persevere. A big one, which is not too valid for very many people, but it's an excuse that says, I don't have time. I'm too busy. 
Well, there are some people that do have more than what they can handle. The doctors at Wow would have always been that way. They had so much to do and so many bases to cover, you know, and there are other people that are in that situation. But it's not the majority of us that are in that situation. So it's really a matter of priority. It's not a matter of no time. If it was important to us, we would take time from some other things that we're now doing and put it into that. And again, one day, we will do it. You know, when I visited other countries uh, where there's a lot of poor people, they all have gardens. You know, when I went to Romania, I lived in a house, and right out back of the house, they had a big garden. And when I went to Russia, uh, not in the cities, of course, but in the countryside or small towns, they got a garden out back. And... Uh, they realize if they don't grow it, they may not have anything to eat or not much to eat. And so that's a big motivator, and it's coming, but it will be a lot better for us if we get motivated before we get to that point. Five is a big one. We can eat without it. We don't have to garden. We still get to eat. That's a real hindrance. To gardening. Number six, the soil is not good. Well, there are some parts of Wawa that are pretty good, but there are some parts that are not so good. And so that becomes an excuse. So I want to look at that one especially because this has been one of the complaints about agricultural work ever since the days that we started schools. And we're going to go to Avondale. In the fourth volume of the biography on Ella White's life, page 150, it gives a little historical note. She, meaning Ellen White, had most likely read the negative report of Mr. A. H. Benson, the government fruit expert who had examined the land at the request of church leaders. So the idea came up, we need to buy this piece of land and establish a school, Seventh-day Adventist school. And so the church leaders thought, well, before we buy this land, we better get an expert to tell us whether this is good land or not. He had declared it, for the most part, very poor, sour, sandy loam resting on yellow clay, or very poor swamp covered with different species of melaleuca. According to him, the whole of the land was sour, requiring liming, and draining. And then he made this statement. <clears throat> it has been told that when Mr. Benson handed the report to a member of the committee, he remarked that if a bandicoot, that's a marsupial about the size of a rabbit, that if a bandicoot were to cross the tract of land, 
he would find it necessary to carry his lunch with him. Now, does that sound like a very promising agricultural prospect by someone that's supposed to know, someone that, you know, has supposedly investigated? Actually, he didn't investigate it closely enough. But that was his opinion as he looked over that land. But God sees things that man don't see. And in that same book, page 154, Ellen White is speaking. She says, in the dream, you have heard me relate. Words were spoken of land which I was looking at. And after deep plowing and thorough cultivating, it brought forth a bountiful harvest. So in vision, Ellen White saw this land, and she saw it yielding a bountiful harvest. By the way, this was fulfilled. And people were amazed at the food that was raised on that piece of land. Having had this matter presented to me at different times, I am more than ever convinced that this is the right location for the school. Since I have been here for a few days and have had opportunity to investigate, I feel more sure than at my first visit that this is the right place. I think any of the land which I have seen would produce some kind of crop. And it's true, some land is not good for certain things. Uh, my first two attempts at raising blueberries was a total wasted effort because the land where I was putting the plants in is just not good land for blueberries. And so I had to learn what you have to do to change the soil in order to make it possible for blueberries to grow. Well... By doing that, they had excellent results. Notice this from the same book, page 156. This was revealed to her by God. False testimony has been born concerning this soil. God can furnish a table in the wilderness. Now, what that is telling us is that God will put his blessing upon people who try to do agricultural work. And even when they take a piece of land that doesn't look very promising, he will enable them to make a success of it. <coughs> and so the testimony about the land helped them, perhaps, I'm not sure, to get it at a good price, $3 an acre. That's a, a very good price even in that day, $3 an acre. And God saw that this piece of land could really generate an abundance of food, not only for the campus to eat, but to sell to those around. And, you know, I'm afraid the same false testimony has been born about Wildwood. And I'm thankful to hear the administration is getting more people involved in agricultural work. I 
have heard all through the years that a farm cannot pay at Wildwood. Cannot pay. Well, we did have one farm manager that if, if he could have expanded it enough, I believe, would have made it pay, but it's, it's not easy. We have all these things to contend with, but let's not bear false testimony concerning the soil at Wildwood because God can furnish a table if we were out in the desert. If we were in the wilderness, God could make things grow. I started thinking about this parable. Now, this is not the usual interpretation. In Matthew 13, verses 3 through 8, Jesus was looking out on the fields, and he saw a sower out there throwing the seed in the field. And so he told this parable. Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Some seeds fell by the wayside. So as he looked out, he saw there was a path where people walked, and some of the seeds fell on the path. Some fell upon stony places. So apparently that field had a few places where there were a lot of rocks, and some of the Seeds fell on that, and some fell among thorns. Uh, one of the ones we contend with around here are blackberry uh, bushes, and uh, I've seen fields that are just, you know, covered all sections of it with blackberry uh, uh, bushes. And so some of those seeds fell into where the thorns were, but other fell into good ground. And no doubt that was good because they had done a lot of work to prepare that part of the field. And so the, the result, we usually focus on the types of ground. But I want to focus on something else. That the one who wants to do agriculture has to, to do. The first one, if... In your garden, you've got a place that's all hardened because people have been walking there. You can plow it up. You can uh, change that so that the seeds will grow. And it's not an impossible situation. It's just in the parable, he was telling what he saw uh, out there. But that could be changed. And the same is true of the stony places. Now, there are some places that are, there's too many rocks, it just doesn't make sense to plant there. But in many situations, you can remove the stones and you can get a good result. And then, of course, with the thorns, you can uh, prepare the soil properly. And so, one of the key things about having a good garden is to properly prepare the soil and to get rid of those things that are going to be a hindrance to you. That requires a lot of work, and again, uh, many are, are not so interested in that. Now, to also help us as Seventh-day Adventists to be more motivated in this area, we have statements like this. Uh, this comes from 
a little pamphlet called A Place Called Oakwood, uh, page 45. Oakwood's not that far from us. And uh, here's what was said. At the Huntsville School, a thorough work is to be done in training men to cultivate the soil and to grow fruits and vegetables. Let no one despise this work. How many? No one. Now, I'm afraid through the years there's been way too many people that were not interested in that. And parents that were not interested in their children being exposed to that. And so it has created a problem. But this is what God said for the Huntsville University. That they should train men to cultivate the soil and to grow fruits and vegetables. Let no one despise this work. Why? Because agriculture is the ABC of industrial education. So, if we don't learn our ABCs, we can't do very much in the way of our life work. And I'm afraid that most people today are crippled because they didn't see the value of this activity. Yes, we can still accomplish something. If we couldn't, why, we'd soon decide we'd better do agriculture, right? But because we see that we accomplished something, we don't realize what we could have accomplished had we accepted the truthfulness of this, the ABCs of education. Now, I hated gardening when I came to Wildwood. It was statements like this that pushed me into the garden because the philosophy at Wildwood that I was exposed to, and I accepted it, is that this is a place where you do what God said. And so as I, as I listened to the things that God said, I said, well, I'm going to have to get involved in agriculture, in gardening, so on. The reason I hated it was because of the weeds. Uh, my parents had a garden. I grew up on a farm, so I had plenty of exposure to gardening. But the way they garden was to put the seeds in the ground. They prepared the soil. They put the seeds in the ground, and then they forgot about it until the weeds were about six or eight inches tall. And then they sent me out to get rid of the weeds. And so I really hated gardening. To me, it was just a bunch of weeding. And the Lord had to help me see it in a different light. In uh, the fourth volume of the biography of Ellen White, page 450, her son, Willie White, is writing this, describing his mother. During the past two years, I think mother has written more upon the principles of education. But now notice what principles of education he saw that she'd been doing a lot more writing about. The importance of Bible study. Now that's another thing that has fallen by the wayside 
in most educational programs. There's very little Bible study, very little agriculture, very little Bible study. But that's important to God. And the importance of combining labor with study. So if we just have mental labor all day, it's not good for us. And so God wanted schools to have a balance between physical activity and mental activity. Now, as a pastor, I have found that the best thing for me is agriculture because the rest of my work is all mental work. And so <clears throat> it is the balance that the balanced lifestyle that God wanted Seventh-day Adventists to have. And he wanted to start them out in school with that balance. And the value of agriculture as the ABC to all agricultural training. <coughs> then in all the years before. So she wrote more toward the end of her life about those three principles of true education than she had written before, apparently. Importance of Bible study, importance of work-study program, and the value of agriculture. I think she has written more largely upon it than any other branch of work. Why? Because education is the foundation of the whole church. If we want to know what is the condition of the church, all we have to do is look at the schools and we can tell what will be the condition of the church. And that's why God wrote so much uh, through Ellen White. He wrote so much about how schools ought to operate. But there's another aspect that I want to spend a little time on. From Spalding McGann, collection, page 360. Wise plans are to be laid for the cultivation of the land. The students are to be given a practical education in agriculture. This education will be of inestimable value to them in their future work. Now, if we don't have that experience, we don't know what we're missing. But if we have that experience, then we can claim that inestimable blessing that God promised to come upon us because of our taking God at his word and getting involved in gardens and agricultural work. Thorough work is to be done in cultivating the land, and from this, the students are to learn how necessary it is to do thorough work in cultivating the garden of the heart. So, there is a spiritual connection that if there were no other benefits, and of course there are many benefits, but if there were no other benefits, the spiritual benefit would be worth it. As we work the garden, we learn spiritual lessons. And I'm going to talk to you 
uh, as we close about some of those lessons that we can learn from weeds. The reference will come on the next slide. Agriculture will open resources for self-support. So before we look at the weeds, we're going to look at a few other of the benefits. Agriculture will open resources for self-support. Now, to my knowledge, there's only one self-supporting institution. Well, I shouldn't say one. I think there's several in Africa. But the first one that I became familiar with was Riverside. And the reason why agriculture was the primary support of Riverside is because somebody else started the farm. And then they gave us the farm. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we kept it going, and, and agriculture was the primary means of support. But often, the farm is a drain. It's not a support. It's a drain. That wasn't supposed to be. Agriculture will open resources for self-support, and various other trades also could be learned. Now, I've learned this secret, uh, and I haven't had a chance to try it out. I got too old before I could do it. But if you want to have agriculture as a primary support, start in a place where there is no school and get the farm going. <laughs> because once you get other things going, they often gobble up what, what you might do. So if you want it that way, you have to do it right from the beginning. This real earnest work calls for a strength of intellect as well as of muscle. Now, somehow the idea exists that farmers don't need to be very smart, but this is very far from the truth. They have things to contend with that are very difficult to contend with, and so they need strength of intellect to be able to do this. Method and tact are required even to raise fruits and vegetables successfully. So agriculture is the best management course you can get because it forces you either to fail or to learn method and tact. How you can organize things, how you can accomplish all that needs to be done so that you can achieve your mission. And habits of industry. I could have put that one on the list. A lot of people don't like to work that hard because agriculture work is hard work, or at least a lot of it is. But it produces habits of industry to where you actually get to where you like the work, and working hard is not distasteful. And habits of industry will be found an important aid to the youth in resisting temptation. Now, there's one that we all are concerned about, being able to resist temptation. Some people are moaning because they can't seem to resist, but God has already given a solution. One of the things that will help you, you know, God is the power that will help us. 
but he chooses to use the work of agriculture to help us resist temptation, especially when we're young. Here is opened a field to give vent to their pent-up energies that, if not expended in useful employment, will be a continual source of trial to themselves and to their teachers. So schools that try to run school with no physical work, they're asking for trouble because all this energy is going to go somewhere and it's supposed to go on physical work. This is all from Healthful Living, page 137. Many kinds of labor adapted to different persons may be devised, but the working of the land will be a special blessing to the worker. So any kind of physical uh, labor is good, but the best one is agriculture. This knowledge will not be a hindrance to the education essential for business or for usefulness in any line. Notice that. It doesn't matter what field God calls you to go into. Agriculture is the best preparation for that. For usefulness in any line. To develop the capacity of the soil requires thought and intelligence. Now, I'm going to just read one about a pastor, but, you know, the same is true of doctors, the same is true of nurses, or any field where it's a lot of mental work. <coughs> there are, this is from Evangelism 660. There are hours in the day that call for severe taxation, for which the minister receives no extra salary. And if he chooses to chop wood several hours a day or work in his garden, it is as much his privilege to do this as to preach. A minister cannot always be preaching and visiting, for this is exhaustive work. So here as we, as we look at the work of a pastor, he is encouraged. Notice how long? Several hours a day. The pastor is encouraged to work in the garden and to get that balance just like we are supposed to do as students, to have a balance between work and study. I found that, especially this was when I was in administration, that when I would get into the garden, little by little, all the stress that I was aware of would disappear. That's just one of the benefits of the physical activity. But the older I got, the more essential it became to have that relief. When I was younger, I could do mental work all day long. didn't seem to <coughs> be too much of a problem, but the older I got, the less I was able to do that. And that's why I've, I've been faithful with the gardening. Now, let's look at this connection between the physical and the spiritual. And we're just going to pick one example, and that's weeds. Okay? If you want 
if you don't like pulling weeds, and I hate doing it, uh, at least the way I used to do it, I don't mind pulling weeds when there's a few here and a few there, and, you know, you can make some good progress and cover some ground. But when the whole row is full of weeds and you've got to try to take care of those, I, I don't like that. So one lesson I learned is... When you do have to pull the weeds, remove it by the roots. Don't just pull the top off. Get rid of it, clear it to the roots. Now, the best way to do that is when the ground is soft right after it's rained. Not when it's muddy, but, you know, when, when there's, the ground is still <clears throat> fairly wet, that's the easiest time to pull it out by the roots. Well, there's a spiritual lesson that's pretty obvious you know, sin, every sin has roots. They often go into our childhood. They often uh, come as a result of what our parents did, their sins, or our grandparents, and so on. And so we have roots of sin in our life. And if we just cut off the top and don't get the roots out, then we're going to be plagued with that sin and that problem for a long time in our life, probably our whole life. So God has given us insight in how he can remove those roots as well by our, you know, cooperation with him. <clears throat> Second lesson we'll think about is kill the weeds when they're small. Don't let them get uh, a few weeks on you because then they develop their root system really strong and you will have quite a time to get rid of them. One time I allowed a pokeweed in my garden. It was, you know, close to some things and so uh, I left it there and I just kept breaking the top off. But after about a year of, of doing that, I decided I got to get rid of this I couldn't believe the size of root that had been developed by that pokeweed. I had to dig it out with a shovel. And, and so we want to kill them when, when they're small. And the best way to do that is, is to keep your garden free of weeds. And then when it rains, of course, it will make those weeds just pop up through the soil and you go through, and in an hour, I can clean all the weeds in my old garden uh, by getting it at that point because you're killing them when they're small. Well, that's a real lesson for you young people. Don't wait till you're my age to tackle some sin in your life. Tackle it while you're young. Don't let it grow. Don't let it develop. And the quicker, and of course for all of us, if we have a sin that we need to grapple with, the faster we go after it, the easier it's going to be. And so I learned that lesson here at Wildwood because, wow, do the weeds really grow at Wildwood? That's one thing with all the moisture and all the sunshine and so on. They grow here at least three times better than up in New Hampshire where I uh, experienced those black flies. Number three, don't let weeds grow after gardening 
season. Now, I, I noticed that a lot of people, once their garden, once they've harvested everything, they just let it grow up to weeds. And uh, what that does is plants more weeds, you see, because the weeds mature and they drop seeds and the next time you got more, more to contend with. I have determined, and it's not, you know, sometimes I get too busy and can't do this, but my determination is to have a weed-free garden all year long, whether I'm growing food or whether I'm not, free of weeds. And, of course, the way you, you do that is different when you are growing plants from when you're not growing plants. It's easier when you're not growing plants. You just keep the rototiller uh, every so often, and you have less and less weeds to contend with. So, don't let them grow. The same lesson carries over into our life. You know, we must be careful not to allow weeds to grow. And we need to be preventing, by God's grace, the weeds to get started in our life. Number four, some weeds are harder than others to get rid of. Uh, some of the grass that I really hate is the nut grass because there's a little nut and it sends out this little shoot and then a piece of grass grows. So when you pull up the grass, you break that little shoot, but you don't get the nut. And so it's a, a real uh, problem once you get it in your garden to get rid of that. And if you if you chop it with a hoe or something, uh, the next time it rains, it'll be right back up again. And so some are harder. There's a lesson in that. For every one of us, some sins are harder to get rid of than others. It takes more work. And you may even be tempted to think, I'll never get rid of this weakness that I have, this sin that just keeps popping up in my life. But it's not true. You can even get rid of nut grass. You can get rid of Bermuda grass or Johnson grass or some of the other uh, you know, seeds like poke, poke weed. You can get rid of them, but it takes a lot more effort. So be of good courage. The garden teaches you can get rid of those. Another lesson, diligent removal makes it easier later. So if you're really faithful in keeping your garden weed-free, it gets easier as time goes by. And the same is true in the Christian life. If you attack those sins and, and by God's grace you get rid of them and you keep attacking them as fast as they show themselves, it will get to where it's easier, at least on those sins. There may be some others that will come up. But... You know, it does get easier just like with the garden. Number six, the weeds take energy from plants. So if we let the weeds grow, then we're not going to get as good a harvest because they take some of the nutrients and some of the uh, moisture and so on, you know, from the plants. So the way to get the best production is to have a weed-free garden. 
And that is true of us as well, that the more our lives are free from the sins that have gotten us down in the past, the better progress we can make in the Christian life, the better witness we can be. There's just so much uh, more that can be accomplished. And the last one, keep the ground stirred up. In other words, don't let it become a path. Don't let the stones stay there. Don't let the weeds take it over. But keep the ground stirred up. Now, in the spiritual sense, the way the ground keeps stirred up is through studying our Bible, studying Ellen White's writings, praying. All these activities keep the ground stirred up. And I learned this uh, fairly quickly in my gardening experience. Weeds don't grow well when the ground is loose. They like it when the ground gets hard and somehow they can grow better. I'm not sure how it works, but I know it works. They can grow better. So if you keep the ground stirred up, the, the weeds have a harder time. Now, not some of them, but most of them uh, have a harder time. Now, do you think that one of the reasons why God wanted us to do agriculture was to learn those kind of lessons? Absolutely. Everything that happens in gardening is to be a lesson for us in our spiritual life. So if we don't do the gardening, we may never uh, learn those lessons. And the, all the other benefits, of course, as well. In closing, two quotes, short quotes from Six Testimonies 181. The school farm is to be regarded as a lesson book in nature from which the teachers may draw their object lessons. So that's what I've done tonight. Followed that sentence, drawing lessons from the work of agriculture. And the other one from page 177, the students would have secured an all-around education which would have prepared them for a place on the Lord's farm in the earth made new. In other words, when you go to heaven, unless you're a part of the 144,000, but even they will probably do what the Levites did. The Levites still had a garden. They didn't farm, but they had a garden. So when you get to heaven, you will do agriculture. <laughs> Why not get used to it now? That's the plan that God has for us. Well, I hope now it's a little bit late to start a garden now, but you still can. You will have to water it for sure. One of the tricks I learned is to start the garden as fast in the spring as you can start it because it grows a lot better in that part. And with all this rain, I've got some yellow squash that are that tall. They're just huge plants, and uh, that's the best time to do it. But you can still do it, especially some crops. You know, they like the hot weather. So I hope uh, you'll talk to somebody about plowing up a piece and getting involved. And if the institute assigns you to work on the farm, you'll say, praise God, we get a chance to go out there and, and learn our ABCs.